Today's episode is sponsored by Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network, Finet, member SIPC. Finet is focused on helping independent advisors support their clients and reach their goals with unique, ever-evolving solutions and resources from one of the nation's largest financial institutions. Learn how you can get more with Finet at wfa.com slash independent. That's wfa.com slash independent. Welcome to the Wellstack Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Rossick, the Director of Wellstack Content and Solutions. In this episode, I'm joined by Alan Garung, CEO and co-founder of Cypha. Today's topic, using generative AI to scale your practice. Alan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Shannon. So I always like to start with the hardest question first, uh, which is talking about your background. You know, and I love speaking in particular with advisors turned fintech founders. And if you're familiar with Adam Holt of Asset Map, as he calls it, a recovering advisor turned fintech founder. So walk me through your your trajectory here. Awesome. I love that question. My story might be very similar to some of the others. It started from a passion of hatred. <laughs> from from my side, when I was running my own wealth management firm, I hated doing anything admin whether it was creating reports or whether it was trying to find specific information on clients. As an advisor, you have so much information and you end up creating so many things that get sent out to clients. I just thought to myself, surely there must be a better way to go about doing all of those things. And as an advisor, we get we get paid to end up for personalization. So everything we do is so personalized to a client and that inevitably takes so much time. So I thought, great, look, if, if no one else is doing it, Heck, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it my best shot. Love it. So, did you always know you wanted to go into financial planning or be an advisor, or was there kind of a moment in time where you said this fits what I want to do? Uh, you know what? It was always the case. I grew up in a very lower middle class family. My my dad was in the army, and when we were growing up, my mom unfortunately she she had a stroke really early on, and so mm. we were a we were a single income source household. But my dad was very strict on thinking, you know what, whatever it takes, my kids are going to private education. I don't know what he had in his mind about what we're going to get our private education, but he put us there. And when we were over there, I remember anytime we'd go home and go grocery shopping or whatever, we'd only buy things from the sales aisle. And I remember being a brat when I was younger going, gosh, why are we always here? Why can't we go about buying all these other things? And as I grew up, my dad opened up more about it and he explained the reasons why. And I always look back and think, surely people don't have to go about sacrificing so much in order for their kids, in order for them to give their kids the life that they want them to want them to have. And I thought one of the best ways for me to go about doing that was for me to learn how to be better with my finances. And I thought, what better way then become a financial advisor and also help others do that as well. Well, I really appreciate you sharing such a personal story in, in that background. Um, obviously, when something has a direct personal impact like that, makes sense that this is something then that would obviously pique your interest and in something you'd ultimately succeed in. So again, thank you for that. So, you know, before we dive into the first segment, I do want to set the stage a little bit and talk about Cypher. You know, what does it stand for? Why was now the right time to launch an AI startup? And, and what do you do and who do you serve? Sure, that's a great question. So Cypher stands for Super Independent Financial Advisor. 
and there's a reason why it's called that specific name and that's because what we really want to be doing is we want to be helping the little guys we want to be helping out the financial advisors who've started their own, started their own practice who have less than 10 employees maybe they're hiring their first power planner or their first admin staff or they already have an admin staff and they're looking to scale further at the moment if you want to scale the only way to go about doing that is by just employing more people but it's just so expensive but with the likes of new technology coming out, so such as GPT coming out um, and improvements in LLM, so language linguistic models, which I'm happy to go into more details about, it's allowed for us to go about scaling personalization. That's exactly what Cypher does and provides. Now, my background in financial advice, my, the brains behind this really is my co-founder, which is Roshan Selvan. And I'm a big fan of him, and he spent the past 10, 12 years working in AI and machine learning. He's built his own business in the past and sold them as well. And we've come together to create this to hopefully make an impact in an industry that really hasn't been adop adopting AI as a lot of other industries have. You know, obviously, I think especially in this industry, it's advisors have so much to deal with. And so now with AI really dominating the headlines, it's, a, it's probably a little scary, too, because there's no true regulation around it. It's a bit of the Wild West while people are trying to figure out what they actually need in terms of AI, where the use case, where the applications are for it. So I think it's really interesting to see the ones in the forward thinking advisors, even like yourself, saying, hey, we need this. There's real world applications here to actually scale and, and grow the business. So it's really exciting to see all these new companies like yours kind of crop up and, and fill that gap that we've so desperately had and needed to fill. Absolutely. It's, it's a matter of time until every firm, especially within the wealth tech industry, ends up adopting something, something around AI. I think from our side, AI in itself, wealth, wealth, in wealth tech industries, well, rather wealth tech companies haven't really adopted. But to go even further and start talking about language linguistic models or around generative AI, that's a whole other story in itself. So uh, I'm sure we'll get in uh, eventually. And I'm sure advisors, they get the glazed donut look. You start talking about LLMs <laughs> and things like that. It's like, oh my gosh, I already have enough to deal with. I'm just trying to serve my clients. And so it's probably, you know, oh, when just once you get into the nitty gritty of it. But I, I do appreciate the background and context, Alan. So let's dive into our first segment that I affectionately call Stats All Folks. And according to a 2022 study done by Accenture, Nine out of 10 financial advisors believe AI can help grow their book of business organically by more than about 20%. And 87% of financial advisors want to use more AI tools you know, in their day-to-day -day and are willing to spend time to learn an AI-based process and tool if there's a clear benefit. And while those numbers are encouraging... You know, as we mentioned, you know, I keep hearing about barriers to adoption. So how is Cypher navigating this landscape currently? I love this conversation. And I have this with so many other founders within the space as well. I think it's such an important topic to talk about. I read a really good book called The Catalyst by Jonah Berger. And it talks about how humans, psychologically, we're just creatures of habit. So to try and end up changing that is so difficult and it's by no means an easy feat. So we don't have the perfect solution for that, but we're taking a couple of steps. We believe in the right direction. One of the things that we're doing is completely getting rid of contracts. The, we, had, we've, we have continuous conversations from advisors who end up telling us, so what does that six month contract or 12 month contract look like? 
get that out of your head. We don't want to hear about it. We want you to be able to use it on day one and not use it by day two if you don't want to use it. And, and from our side, we understand why firms do this because they want to have a predictable revenue projection for the future. From our side, our our main objective is how can we make this as easy as possible for the advisor because the benefit they're going to get from utilizing this sort of software is going to be immense because the benefit we believe so strongly, we make the adoption rate and the ease of actually adopting something like that in their day-to-day as easy as possible. There's statistics now from banks. If you're about to, if you're trying to create your own online banking account, you can do so in under 20 clicks. The fact that if you want to end up utilizing a tool as a financial advisor, you have to go sign a contract, to me is insane. And so from our side, we're making it as easy as possible, but we're also portraying the sort of benefit that individuals can get by using this in under 20 clicks as well. So you can set up an account, use a specific case study or a, or a client that you have in mind and go about doing exactly what Cypher does best in under 20 clicks. So then I have to ask, what has the reception been since you've officially launched? So yeah, we've, we've launched now for just over six months and we already have more than 1.5 thousand financial advisors who use wow. Cypher. Congratulations. So, <laughs> thank you. And this sort of adoption has been ridiculous, right? And from our side, the most important thing is it's not so much how many people are coming in, but how many people are actually staying and retaining within Cypher. And at the moment for us is 95%, which is insane. And the fact that a ton of advisors off the back of studies like Accenture, who've said nine out of 10 advisors who believe in AI, a lot of the, a lot of the advisors who've come to Cypher believe in it as well. And uh, I think a lot of uh, the traction that we've got so far is a testament to that. And I have to ask another question, and there's going to be a lot to unpack here. And you touched on it a little bit, but what does AI ultimately mean for advisors, at least as the applications and use cases stand now in their current state? You know, sure, you have your positive use cases like using generative AI for marketing, ideation, things like that. And then the quote unquote negative side where you hear the arguments around, oh, Robo Vice still going to take over, completely replacing humans. You know, what do you say to those naysayers? I think the naysayers, I wouldn't say they're completely wrong. And I think it's an important point to listen to because I don't think we can just go and say, hey, forget about everything, just just end up using this sort of technology. I think there's got to be some sort of logical reasoning behind it. Uh, around the points of robo advice, it's one that we get very often of why do we even need a financial advisor in the first place? I, I feel with robo advice, it serves a purpose for a specific demographic. And that tends to be individuals who are very young or who have just come into the workforce and they get starting to get a regular income. Typically, that doesn't tend to coincide with the demographic for a financial advisor. Uh, and, and even more so, for individuals who are dealing with money that means a lot to them, it, essentially, it's psychological. So that's somewhere that an advisor helps so much in that technology simply can't. A lot of, I always feel when I end up speaking with people around technology, you never know what you don't know. So when you go about creating a account via a robo-advisor you're using, you might get a scale of one to 10 to, to determine what your risk level is. But for someone, a 10 might be investing into startups. For someone else, a 10 might be investing into stocks. It's two completely different things. I think that's point one. The second point is accountability. 
it's, I don't know about you, I've got all these fitness apps on my phone and tell me to go for a run. And every time they tell me, I always end up just shutting them down. I go, hey, I'm too busy. I'm not going to do them. But it's so, so different to end up getting that call from someone that you know has your best intention at heart and understands your future goals and ends up motivating you to hold yourself accountable to do what you need to do to go about achieving your future financial goals. I think that's an absolutely great point. So where do you think AI will ultimately then be able to replace human tasks, you know, in our advisory space? Is it, you know, the front, middle, back office, middle, back, mostly back right now? You know, how are you seeing things, you know, transpire? Now, this might be controversial, Shannon. I, I think I think AI will end up replacing everything outside of actual conversation between an advisor and a client. And if you really break down where an advisor adds value, it's only in one area when they actually have a conversation with that individual. Everything else can completely be automated. And I always think of this really nice analogy when we end up talking about this sort of AI and LLM, and hopefully this provides a bit more context to individuals. It's almost as if, if you imagine yourself telling a story to a friend, and as you're telling that story, you end up, you end up forgetting the next segment of what you're going to say. But if your friend has been listening intently enough to what you've been saying so far, they might be able to put a strong guesstimate as to what you might say next. Now, if that friend ends up hearing more stories from you from the past, over time, they're going to start getting better and better at providing this guesstimate in terms of actually being more accurate. And LLMs work exactly the same way. It ends up just understanding and listening to what you've done in the past and what the output has been in the past, and it ends up doing that for the future. So in terms of answering your question, from my perspective, it'll end up automating all the tasks that an advisor does outside of actually what they do best, which is having a conversation with the client. Yes, absolutely. It's all about the human element at the end of the day and using and leveraging technology to ultimately personalize and augment those experiences. So then I have to ask, you know, how can AI and humans ultimately join forces for better outcomes? Yeah, that's such a good question. It's almost like a different army completely. And we're like, oh, what can we do to join forces and all of this? Uh, and it's such a good point. I think really for us over at Scythe, it comes down to three things. When we hold enough data, you can end up doing so many incredible things with that data in terms of actually providing advice. And one is decision-making. Advisor has so many things going on in their head outside of just providing advice for that particular client. They're also thinking about we're running their own business. They're thinking about what can they do to market their service better. They're also thinking about the back and middle office that they need to do from their end. There are so many things going on. And so you can't really fault an advisor for sometimes not always being 100% accurate with things. AI can be a great enabler for you to end up leveraging so that you do become a lot more accurate. But not only that, you become a lot more accurate, a lot quicker. The second thing is efficiency and productivity. And this is a large portion which Cypher helps in, in terms of being able to create the reports for you in a matter of seconds or finding information for you just by you questioning the data that you hold in that client. And the last part, I feel the most important part, personalization. When you have so much work that you have to do on an ongoing basis and you're also looking to scale your firm, you might end up cutting corners now with AI, you don't need to do that anymore. You can end up creating personalized content that is specific to an individual and also, most importantly, helpful to that client as well. 
What about trust, though, when it comes to AI? Do you get a lot of questions around that from advisors? Is that something you're considering, too? Because, you know, even with, say, ChatGPT, the data right now only goes up to, I think, 2021, right? So, and, and sometimes when you do prompt it, you know, whether you're using Bard, Bing, ChatGPT, whatever application, you know, it's, you should still fact check. So, you know, where things stand now, especially as something as sensitive and personal as money, are you getting questions around trust and technology? <laughs> All the time and rightfully, rightfully so. So ChatGPT is data that's up until 2021, you're absolutely right. And the main reason why is because there is just so much data and they're trying to try and be up to date with that much data. It can be so extremely exhausting. The benefit from our side is because we specify in a particular area around financial advice, we can end up targeting ourselves to be specific in a much smaller area as opposed to what ChatGPT is looking to do. And that inevitably allows us to be a lot more accurate as well. What what we always say to advisors is, we're not here to do all of the work for you. We're here to do 80% of your work. We're here to help you with your accuracy, help you end up speeding up the work that you do. But like anything else, we expect you to at least review it for the remaining 20%. Once you go about doing that, it's almost similar to if you have an admin staff that's going to create a very important report that you're going to send out to a very important client, you would end up reviewing that before you end up sending that out. Exact same way you'd end up using the likes of Cypher as well. So walk me through how advisors can use Cypher. Do you have a use case or a success story that you could share? Sure. So there's three ways that advisors tend to use Cypher. One, it's able to actually communicate with the data that you hold on your client. Number two, it's able to get insights. And number three, it's being able to create these reports. And there's some great case studies out there. One that I like a lot is a financial advisor based over in New York. And what he does is he's got a incredible 60-day plan anytime he ends up onboarding any sort of clients. And it's great because, uh, well, I say great from his side, it's actually extremely strenuous. What he ends up doing is every single week, when he ends up onboarding a new client, you'd have to end up sending out new forms of reports. So one one week, it'll be an insurance report. The second week, it'll be the real estate report. And the third week, it'll be a financial plan report. It'll keep on going for about a good 60 days. And what he's trying to show there is the sort of value he can add whenever he ends up onboarding a new client. Now, the process of what that looks like for him is he has to cross-reference the information he already has on that client with the templates that he has on this specific reports that he's created in the past, look back at all of his notes, end up contacting all the providers that he's got investments with, looking through all the documents that he has. Uh, and that whole process takes him about two hours per report per client. Ooh, that's tedious. So, oh my goodness. Yeah, completely. <laughs> so what he does with Cypher now is he's uploaded all of his templates on Cypher. He's uploaded all the information on that client on Cypher as well. So ultimately, what you just have to do is go to that report section, click re- click templates, and just click generate. And what Cypher would do is cross-reference all the information that you can hold, that you already hold of that client, to that specific template. Going about populating the relevant fields that matter, and also making it extremely personalized for that individual, to a point where it's actually better than how he does it himself. 
at a fraction of the time, so in under five minutes. And he loves it. And he's been doing it since for the past now four months with us. So he's a big advocate. Oh, that's amazing. Well, saving time and money, you cannot argue with that. <laughs> Hopefully not, yeah. <laughs> so I have to ask then, what will the firm of the future look like? What are you hopeful about? And how are you th- seeing things progress? It's a really good point. And, you know, from our side, Shannon, we're still trying to figure it out, figure it out from my side as well. It, it's so difficult because on a, the whole space around AI is changing so quickly. And being front runners in this space, we've got a vision of what that future might look like. But ultimately, it's the consumers who end up using the product that's going to decide what that future, what that future is. And so it's continued change, not by month by month, but a week by week basis. But what I can say is, what our initial intentions were when we started Cypher. What we wanted to do was, we were thinking, how can we get get it to a place where as, as many people in the world could get financial advice as possible? So we thought, great, let's start big. And what about 6 billion people? And th- that would never happen, largely because advisors are just aren't scalable enough. Even if you gave the option to an advisor saying, I'll give you a thousand clients just now, they wouldn't be able to take them on because it'd just be way too much. So we were thinking, okay, great. Well, it's not a problem of, you know, us, us automating this sort of technology. The process is, well, how can we end up leveraging what a financial advisor does? What I do think what the future future firms would look like is a lot smaller. We think uh, larger firms will end up breaking out a lot more. We'll have a lot more smaller RIA firms scattered around the country. So largely because now it's not only the large firms that can end up scaling because they have the capital to hire admin staff. Now the smaller firms can also scale just as quickly and just as large because of the technology that they can end up leveraging. So obviously world domination then is is off the table <laughs> for, for Cypher, but you can probably get close. So what is on the roadmap for Cypher? Gotcha. Um, so in terms of roadmap, we're super excited. There's a bunch of things going on. What we, what we recently had on with Cypher which we're super proud of is the tone of voice piece piece. So tone of voice basically means the more data you end up inputting into Cypher, the more times you end up editing the reports that's been created for you. And the more times you save that report for yourself, the more Cypher actually recognizes your tone of voice. So over time, it will get to a point where it starts sounding very similar to how you communicate. So your reports are going to sound like you. The information that you get from our chat interface is going to sound like you as well. We're going to soon enough have an email integration so that any sort of emails that you get, I know advisors get about 50 to 100 emails a day, end up creating drafts for you because we already have the information via the clients. We can we can create tailored drafts around each email that you get for a client that sounds exactly like you. So that's something that we're super, super um, excited about and the sort of benefits that an advisor can have from that. The other thing I would say is integration. So integrations with just overall tech stacks. On average, advisor will end up using anywhere from four to six different tech stacks. Now, that is a pain in the backside when you're trying to find specific pieces of information on, on one specific client. So what we what we see the vision in Cypher is being the one-stop shop for you to be able to have all your data from all these different tech stacks so that you can start to communicate with that data and you can start to be a lot more efficient, therefore being able to scale your firm to a much larger extent without having to just hire more staff members. 
Well, I will certainly be watching Cypher's growth. So we'll have to do a follow-up episode at some point. (laughs) But it is time for segment two of this episode, Alan, which is ask us anything. And I have gone out to the social universe and asked them to submit questions they want answered by you. And we had a few folks drop into the DMs this week. So putting you in the hot seat. First question, uh, the EU recently passed the Artificial Intelligence Act. So for technologies such as AI to ever be successful, do you believe it's essential that there's government oversight to foster trust from businesses in the wider public? Absolutely. I get it all the time. If anything, we would think it would be a benefit for Cypher for it to be more regulated, largely because we get so many questions coming from advisors saying, so what does it look like then for you to be regulated from a government perspective? And unfortunately the majority of the time it goes well there is no government regulations around here and, and we do our best in terms of being regulated in other formats but to be regulated under the government as well it would just be so much more powerful just in terms of overall public trust uh the second part of it is safety and what that what you didn't doing with that sort of data specifically with compliance uh, or rather data protection we at cyber handle a lot of a lot of data for the advisor side of things and we're very transparent in terms of what we what we do with that data all of our technology is in-house therefore the information not being passed on to any third parties and the data is always owned by the clients and this is we're very transparent in stating all of these things now with a lot of other companies coming into the space inevitably considering the sort of technology here we want to ensure that this is going to continue to happen with other uh, companies also developing uh, what one of the worst things would be for the whole industry is now start taking a step back because we see a lot of companies not complying to ensuring that these data is being protected. Absolutely. And we, we even see that here in the States too. It's that big data argument. Who owns it? Is it, it should be the client at the end of the day, yeah. but is it the custodian? Is it the REA? So, you know, you have to be stewards of your data. And so, that's also another trend I will be following very closely, you know, as because at the end of the day, too, you're only as good as your worst data as an advisor, too, that especially when your systems have to talk to each other and integrate well with each other. So very interesting times right now when it comes to that. Um, so we did have one more question for this segment, uh, another loaded one. How does AI make advice more human? Yeah, this is a good one. Uh really comes down to one thing for me anyway it's more time that's essentially what ai is looking to do here it's looking to save you time by being more efficient by having more time it's really the consequences of what happens out of the back of that which is now you can start spending more time with clients have more conversations with them have more one-to-one interactions as opposed to spending the majority of your day writing up an email or sending out reports or being able to having to tell your staff members what to do those are things that you that advisors should not be spending their time on. The one thing is, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, it, it is simply having a conversation with a client. And the more than AI can save time for an advisor, the more time an advisor has to go about doing exactly that. Well, I appreciate you being put on the spot and being put in the hot seat, but we have come to our final and my favorite segment, Stack It or Whack It. You may have seen uh, folks with shirts on. and I was wearing one at WellStack at the conference. Um, So I'm going to throw out a few technologies and be warned, they're not always necessarily wealth tech related. And you tell me if they are worth the hype or not. 
So the first one I have to ask about, we touched on a little bit earlier, but digital onboarding tools, you know, I still see the argument that because that's one of the first touch points a client has with their advisor, that it can still be a clunky process. We've obviously improved. So, but in their current state, would you say stack it or whack it? <laughs> what do you end up showing, having be client facing? Well, just in general, the like current kind of where digital onboarding platforms stand now. Do you think there's still room oh, for improvement or, you know, company. are there, so stack them or whack them in their kind of current state? <laughs> oh, whack them. <laughs> it can be so so we have a ways to go. <laughs> We've got a long way to go, uh, but we're going to get there. We're going to get there. <laughs> All right. Is that the other challenge you're going to solve for then too? <laughs> Top of AI, <laughs> digital onboarding. <laughs> we'll, we'll put that in the roadmap, yeah. There we go. Add to the roadmap. All right. So number two, and don't mind me, I may have done a little bit of LinkedIn stalking. So got, got a little deep into it. And so the second technology I have to ask about, and you might have to give some context to background here, but I saw that you uh, know a few things about the game of rugby. So <laughs> um, rugby smart balls, they have microchips and they track, you know, everything from speed, distance, uh, you know, how far the ball is going, tons of data. So, you know, in your opinion, is that a useful way to gather data on the sport or is it overkill for teams being inundated with that? Stack it or whack it. Stack it, stack it, stack it all day long. You know, <laughs> data is the new oil. So the more data you can have, the better the players can be. I love it. And if you don't mind, I just would love for listeners to know the background on your love for rugby because <laughs> I can't do you know it what? justice. <laughs> I'm guessing you got it from, uh, is it from the instructing that I did? Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So uh, like I was saying earlier, my dad's, uh, he's a part of the Gurkha army over over in the UK. And we go back and forth from Brunei to UK a lot. And so we went to Brunei one time and me and my brother, we love rugby. So we're just playing by the playground. And one of the, one of the army soldiers comes up to us and go, what are you guys playing? They've never seen it before. They've spent the majority of their time over in Brunei. So we're going, I've got a great idea. So we we end up we end up getting about it must be about 30 very big soldier lads come together and we're thinking, great, we've got this great game to play with all of you. And a, a majority of them maybe about in their mid-30s and then go, okay, all right. So you do a bit of this, you do a little bit of that. So we're thinking we want to do a non-contact initially, considering it's the first day. Oh, good luck. <laughs> good luck with that, right? And so there's so there's us about me and my brother. We're we're good six foot, but these guys are about a six foot three hench, very big lads. And we're telling them, we're not just telling them off about not being so aggressive, but we can end up we can end up handling them. We, the match was meant to go on for about 20 minutes. They played for a good 60 minutes. And there was a there was some very slow getting up after tackles. I'll say that much. Oh, that's a fantastic story. Thank you for sharing that. We're going to need to do another podcast and have you explain the rules of rugby to me. I've, I love sports, but every time I've turned rugby on, like especially Australian footy, like oh, yeah. there's, it looks like there's 70 people on the pitch like at all times. I have no idea what's going on. So I want to make it a goal time. of mine to learn. <laughs> you know what? I've been playing it for about 15 years now. I'm still trying to learn it. So. <laughs> all right. So there's there's potentially hope for me then. 
it's just bumping into people. That's that's all the way I see it. There we go. All right. Well, Alan, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Please feel free to tell listeners where they can find out more about how to connect with you and what's happening at Cypher. Love it. Thank you so much for having having me, Shannon. The the best way to go about contacting us would be through the website, which is www.trycypher.com or alternatively find us on Twitter at TriCypher as well. Fantastic. And be sure to like and subscribe to the Wellstack podcast on all major podcasting platforms and follow all things Wellstack on wealthmanagement.com, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Thank you all for tuning in. Today's episode is sponsored by Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network, Finet, member SIPC. Finet is focused on helping independent advisors support their clients and reach their goals with unique, ever-evolving solutions and resources from one of the nation's largest financial institutions. Learn how you can get more with Finet at wfa.com independent. That's wfa.com independent.